Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Bama Baseline. Today, we've got a good slate of games to discuss, starting off with Saturday's unfortunate loss to then unranked or then ranked 18th Missouri. Uh, what did you guys see in the game? Uh, yeah, so, you know, kind of a punch in the mouth. You know, we, we talked about it last show, right? You said that some someone was going to come out and punch someone in the mouth. And uh, that's exactly what Missouri did to us, unfortunately. Um, early on, it just looked like we were sluggish. We weren't making shots. Uh, just didn't look like we were in it at all. And maybe it's that, you know, 11 a.m. tip. Maybe we're just not a morning team. I don't know. Um but we didn't come out with enough intensity. Uh, the only really good thing coming from this game was the late comeback at the end. Um, you know, it, it kind of shows that we just, we have a lot of fight in us, which was good to see in a game that lacked a lot of effort. Um, and obviously the injuries hurt us with her uh, not being 100%. It probably leads to a different outcome towards the end of the game there. Um, you know, if he's got full athleticism, full range of motion, maybe he makes that shot or one of those shots at the end. Um, which is difficult to swallow, but that's just where we are right now. Uh, Zach, I don't know if you want to talk a little more on the Missouri game. Yeah, I mean, like you hit, hit everything pretty much I was going to say. Um, we started off slow, which really killed us throughout the whole game. We got down early by a lot. So, I mean, like you said, the late comeback was pretty exciting to watch, but Herb Jones missing that layup was pretty depressing. But, I mean, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot of things we could have done better. I don't know. Like you said, the 11 a.m. tip could have been a factor too early of a game. Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of things we could have cleaned up that we could have done better. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, I, I'm, I'm not sure what it was this game. The whole team just seemed off. Uh, some big performers from weeks before kind of didn't show up. It was a quiet game for Reese. Uh, Herb Jones had a nice game. But I would have liked to see a little bit more. Uh, Shackelford was probably the only person that carried over their momentum from the past couple games. Um, mm -hmm. But I mean, yeah, you put it, uh, you put it great. Um, the the comeback towards the end of this game uh, just showed the level of commitment this team has, not only to each other but to the game, to the coach. They're not going to quit when they're down big. Mm -hmm. um, but evidently, it looks like they couldn't really keep their heads towards the end. Um, I just right there, the game was the game was in our hands. We had all the momentum, all the control, and then on on three back to back possessions, you get three of probably the most inefficient shots in basketball: um, a left handed floater from a right hand dominant player, uh, a, a layup that looked good right as um, right right when he got the ball. I think it was Herb Jones or Shackelford kind of gave a pump fake and immediately four guys crashed the boards and he went up for a layup and obviously it was blocked. And then a, a double clutch three from the corner. It, it just, it all fell apart just as fast as it all came together. Um, I do think the team's going to carry some momentum from this, but I would like to know both of your thoughts specifically on John Petty. Cause I am, I'm, he played very well against um, uh, South Carolina. He played very well. Thank, excuse me. Played very well against South Carolina, which we'll get into it to a minute. But uh, I thought uh, he looked lost in the first half against Missouri. He he wasn't doing anything. And then that second half, he 
provided a little bit of a spark. Yeah, I think that's the trend with how Bama basketball is playing right now, right? I mean, um, there's one thing you need. It, with a team like we have right now, with, so, with such uh, age difference between the two groups of players we have, both being freshmen and then senior leadership or older leadership, um, you know, there is a, there, there's that big gap. And I think teams like that who are built like that, especially to be successful in March, need to have really good senior leadership. And I think that's been the problem with John Petty and Herb Jones even, who is, again, you know, and, and Reese, you know, th these guys are three starters who need to show up and need to show leadership. And it's not that they don't from a actual leadership, like on, on the court, they look very in control. They bring people together and that's great. And they're doing all the things that like you're taught to as a kid to be a leader, right? You're just, they hit all those on the court personal steps, but when it, when it comes to their play, I mean, they're not leading by example. I mean, John Petty had 11 points, but I, I'm pretty sure nine of them came the second half. And probably towards the late last five minutes of the game, we went on the run. Um, so, yeah, it's it's not good right now. Uh, obviously, we'll talk about Petty's pickup in the South Carolina game. Uh, but, yeah, no. Uh, Zach, I don't, I don't know how you felt about John Petty. I mean, it's been pretty rough watching John Petty, I mean, before South Carolina, to be honest. I mean, he, like you guys said in the first half, it was honestly kind of painful to watch John Petty play. It's like he wasn't doing anything. He wasn't contributing. We, he's like, in my opinion, I mean, and I feel like a lot of people would have the same opinion. He's one of the key players to our success. Like, we need his shot. We need his leadership, like you said. We need a lot of things from him. And him not performing the – I don't know, like the past couple of games really is not really helping us. And I mean, Herb is hurt. So, I mean, he can't really take that load off of Petty. So, I mean, I think Petty's really just got to step it up. And like the South Carolina was kind of a good start on that way. Yeah. Getting I, I do want to point one more thing out before we do move on to the South Carolina game, but I just wanted to point out our bench play again, um, obviously led by Javon Quinlary, uh, because, and we'll talk about that in the next segment or when we talk about South Carolina, but the kid is good. Jackson's been saying this the whole time. I, I was going to say, it's, you're going to think I'm a fan. I'm, I'm just a fan, but I'm telling you, man, this kid, he's got it. I don't, I'm not sure exactly why he's not starting. I guess maybe Nate Oates just wants to spark off the bench, which I can totally understand, but what I don't understand, especially against Missouri, is starting uh, a guard in Primo who, not to be rude, but essentially was out there running and jumping, attempted no shots, uh, a two, a one turnover, five boards, and an assist. And Javon came off the bench and in less minutes um, scored 12 points uh, with three turnovers, granted. But those 12 points on five for 13 shooting, he did provide a spark when he was out there. And against South Carolina, I thought he was – aside from John Petty, uh, the, one of the most impressive players on the court. I, I thought he played – that was one of his best games of the season. Yeah, and, and another person to highlight quick before we go to the South Carolina, Keon Ellis. Again, double yeah. figures off the bench. Mm -hmm. um, do you think we're going to see him more on the court in these last few games, especially because, you know, it's getting to the point where Alabama has to start considering, hey, we got seven games left in the season. If we win – four more you know or the one seed in the sec we have the regular season championship in the bag um 
does it start becoming a conversation of, hey, maybe we start starting these younger guys and these different guys and let her rest, you know, let Alex Reese rest, who's been dealing with a knee injury, let, you know, all these kids, you know, Jaden Chakravert's dealing with a little bit of an injury. Juwan Gary just went down in the South Carolina game. Like, is there going to be a point, you think, after these next few games where O's kind of reels it in, or do you think that's not his MO? Um, my opinion, I said this, I've said this before. Um, I think Herb, he, he, need, he can play, but I don't think he should be playing as many minutes as he is because he played in Missouri game. He played 20, I mean, he played 22 minutes, which was not bad, but, and we'll get into the South Carolina game later on, but I think Herb Jones needs to like take a little rest because he is a really key player on our team and we are going to need him come March. So I think it's best if you kind of limit him in, if you can. Like, I really think the only way he really kind of should be out there is, like, when the game starts, and then, like, if we really, really need him, like, if we're, like, it's a close game or we need to come back to win in an important game. But yeah. I truly don't think, like, it's worth it for Herb to really get it, be getting this many minutes because we need him. Yeah. I think sooner or later, Nate Oates should definitely consider uh, kind of a, a little bit of a minutes restriction on some of his big men, um, just because, as you said, they are all suffering from a couple minor injuries, some some bumps, bruises, ticky-tack stuff. But along the line, it could affect you. And I think definitely 100% he needs to start prioritizing getting the most out of his bench just to see what he has uh, come March. Yeah. And if not to see what he has come March, to see what he has for the next uh, – two seasons in Javon's case, or uh, I think, is Ellis a, a sophomore or a junior? Uh, I believe he's a sophomore. Yeah, I believe he's yeah. a sophomore. Because that, that very well could be the guard tandem of the future. Yeah, uh -huh. and what a great one in that. Uh, yeah. So switching gears here, let's – so after the after the loss to Missouri, obviously Alabama had to travel to the other Columbia in the SEC uh, in South Carolina. Um, and they got the win, uh, close win, 81-78. to 78. Um just want to hot so like we said before, John Petty kind of showed up in this game uh, finally for us uh, with 20 points and eight rebounds. So I just wanted to get not only your initial reactions on John Petty and the win, uh, but also kind of who stood out to you and carried us for this game. Well, uh, I mean, I love John Petty. I think he's an outstanding leader. He's a huge part of how well the team's the team performs on any given night. But he's a type of player where if his deep shots aren't falling, he's just going to be off. Um, that was not the case against South Carolina. I thought he had a really decent game. Um, the 22 points was great. One of his best point totals in a couple of weeks. But three for 10 from deep is just not a number I'm comfortable uh, relying on. I think John Petty is the leader of this team. I don't really think it's disputed by anybody. But I'm not sure how much you can lean on him come March. He has shown he can be inconsistent, but he's also shown he can make some, some crazy contested shots when you really need him. Um, but to elaborate on who I thought stood out, definitely John Petty. It was a good bounce back game from a rough, uh, little rough streak there. Um, I thought Primo actually played relatively well in his 28 minutes, but he was still relatively inefficient from the floor shooting three for 10. And I thought, again, I thought this was Javon's uh, one of his best games of the season. 
you know, 13 points on five for eight from the field and three for five from three, just we'll get it done. That'll get it done, especially off the bench. And especially when your starting lineup was shooting a little uh, eh, from the three-point line, I think you need his skill set come March. But I'd like to know what you guys think. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, uh, what's his name? Quinterly stood out to me again. He's been playing well. He's been playing real, real well. I mean, he's deserving of some more minutes, like you guys have been saying. Um, Petty, in my opinion, he, this was a really big bounce back game for him. He needed this. Like, if there was a game to do it, he he really did it this game. He played pretty well, in my opinion, from watching it. I mean, he did everything he could. Um, who else? Uh, I think Shackleford still played relatively well, even though he shot three for 10. He still played solid. Uh, Primo, like you said, also stood out. And, yeah, I mean, South Carolina overall was a solid game from most of our players. Yeah, and I, I, I want to say something now. Uh, you know, Jaden Shackelford has actually been probably one of the most solid pieces of the Crimson Tide <laughs> offense. Oh, yeah. The sure. last few games. And what's interesting about that and why I'm talking about this now after we just talked about John Petty not shooting well is Jaden Shackelford uh, had a terrible shooting game against Oklahoma, missed a lot of layups. Missed, I don't think he made a three in the entire game, maybe one or two. Um, but to see after that game how he's transitioned and been able to find ways to score and help his team, whether that be getting to the basket, you know, facilitating, you know, doing whatever he needs to do. And I'm really hoping that that's the approach from everyone when they're going through the slump. And I think we kind of saw that in South Carolina with John Petty. I mean, got to the rim a lot more, um, had a couple big, big inside plays. So, you know, as, as the shots are going to fall eventually. Yeah. Um, so to me, with, with these guys who are mostly shooters, and you see that in Quinlory, you see that in Shackelford, you see that in Petty. Um, they're finding ways to score and still win games without doing their initial MO. Um, so I think that's promising for March. I really do. Um, do I like that we only beat South Carolina by three? No, but <laughs> it, a win's a win, and we hadn't won the road in a while. So yeah, I think we'll see it in some of these next games. I think Nate Oates is a is a really just really smart guy. I think he's a great basketball mind. And I think you're going to notice in some of these upcoming games that right after tip-off, he's going to kind of cool it on the early three attempts. Mm -hmm. uh, because as we saw in Missouri, uh, they were all just chucking up threes to start that game and nothing was falling. Nothing. They got behind big. Um, and I just wish some of these guys would really try and get their looks under the basket because I know uh, Petty's creative. I know Javon is insanely creative under the rim. We've got oh, yeah. big men who know how to touch the ball and get it off the glass. I just, I do think we need to prioritize working inside. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. All right, so switching gears here, uh, we talked about last podcast, the women's upcoming game against Georgia. So the women took on number 25, Georgia Lady Bulldogs, uh, in a tough loss, 83 to 76. Um, Jasmine Walker and Aria Copeland both combined for 41 points total, but Unfortunately, just not enough. Uh, Walker at 24 and Copeland at 17. Uh, I just wanted to see from you guys what you thought the biggest uh, problem uh, that led to the Crimson Tide being defeated, even though 
in a game where it seemed like they were doing mostly everything right. Um, just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, oh, oh yeah, I'll, I'll go. Um, yeah, I mean, I think the story of the loss was the turnovers. I mean, uh, when whenever you have 19 turnovers, that's going to lead to some bad stuff, man. I mean, I really don't see a team turning the ball over nearly 20 times and winning a game. I'm sorry to break it to anyone. Uh, yeah. But I, if they really want to keep going further and further, they really need to control the ball and just not turn the ball over. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. <laughs> Jackson? Yeah, I mean, um, I don't think this is a – a, a, a devastating loss. I think this is a loss that the team can actually take a lot of things from. I think, uh, you know, this team is very, um, not, uh, I would say star heavy. They do rely on their points from their big contributors and they do often get them. They're very consistent. They're very good with their shots, but um, honestly, I really just think they need to clean it up just a little bit. As you mentioned uh, earlier, uh, earlier today, uh, the hustle stats were great, out-rebounded them. Um, uh, 12 assists at the end of the game is always a good look, but, again, 19 turnovers is never going to get it done. It's it's just sloppy basketball, and uh, I think Coach prioritizes this this week in practice, and they have uh, a good bounce-back game. I don't see this really affecting them in the long run. Yeah, I think it's interesting that you kind of talked about how this could be a learning thing for any kind of team uh, on either side, men's or women's. Uh, and you're exactly right. When you when you when you really hit on all the hustle stats, you're out shooting them, you're doing everything right, but you just have the turnovers and you end up losing the game by seven. Uh, what that tells me as a coach and if not a player is, you know, we had them. We can play with the number twenty-five team in the country, and we had them. We just didn't take care of the ball. So I, I couldn't agree with you more on the learning point. Um, and I, I agree. I think we're going to see a bounce back this this upcoming week for the for the Crimson Tide. So with that being said, uh, we will be right back talking some college basketball news, some stories, uh, and a little bit of bracketology. So we'll break that down for you in part two. And thank you for listening to the Bama Baseline Podcast. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Eli Gold, the voice of the Crimson Tide, and I love 90.7, the capstone. Welcome back, folks, to the Bama Baseline Podcast. Uh, we're going to be talking about some college basketball news and stories. So right now we are recording on Wednesday. Um, and currently we got some important games happening while we, we are recording. We just checked those. Uh, biggest game of the night, number 25 Rutgers versus number 15 Iowa. So, Jackson, what's going on in that game? Um, it's looking unlikely, but – I, I think Rutgers still has a little bit of a shot. Uh, their starters are playing pretty well. Uh, their bench is putting in some decent minutes. But, um, yeah, if they don't, if they don't start uh, putting the, getting a couple stops against Iowa, Iowa's going to run away with it. Yeah. Uh, next big game we got going on right now is number 10 Missouri is at Ole Miss right now. Zach, you got anything on Missouri and Ole Miss? Uh, just it's a neck and neck game right now with eight minutes left in the first half. Uh, Ole Miss is just up by one. Um, it's not, I mean, it's a pretty even game. Both teams are shooting well. Um, both teams are shooting good from three. I mean, this is gonna be a good game to watch, I gotta say. Um, I mean, I think Missouri is just playing it close with Ole Miss. I need, I think they need to, uh, 
pull away with it, to be honest. Yeah, couldn't agree. More with that. Uh, so another game that happened already, Virginia took care of business uh, going to Georgia Tech. That kind of wasn't a surprise. So um, we had a couple of Big 12 upsets since we last recorded. Uh, first, this Saturday, Oklahoma State and Cade Cunningham beat Texas and took it to them, uh, beating them 75 to 67. Um, I'm just going to throw this out there now, and you can agree or disagree, but Cade Cunningham is the best player in college basketball right now. Oh, without a doubt. Like, he is 100% the best player in college basketball. There's no player, in my opinion, that is better than him. He's just the most all-around player in college this year. Granted, I personally got to say this is not the best year talent-wise for college basketball because there's I don't really think there's like that exciting that many exciting prospects outside of Cade and Jalen Green or what's his name from Gonzaga? Uh Suggs. Yeah, Suggs, Suggs. My bad, my bad. Um but Cade is utterly insane, like talent wise. I think he's gonna be a great player in the league. Yeah. So I think um even though he had a relatively inefficient night against Texas, only making five shots. Uh, out of his 22 attempts, he still scored 19. Um, I mean, I think the amount of shots his coach lets him take is just a testament to what this guy can do with the ball in his hands. He's the best player in the country. I agree with you both completely. Um, and this is a pretty big upset for Oklahoma. I think this could, maybe, if Iowa takes care of Rutgers, it just might be able to edge him into 25-24. Yeah, yeah. Um... They're they're close, and I think they, I think they ended up being ranked this week, twenty third. I think I only know my sister's going to Oklahoma State, so I gotta keep tabs on them. But okay. you know, I always talk a little trash too because twenty three is not eleven, boys. But yeah. <laughs> uh, another Big Twelve upset came last night in a very heated game between West Virginia and Texas Tech. I don't know if you guys so it was eighty two to seventy one. Uh, West Virginia gets the win. Did you guys see Chris Beard get ejected last night? Oh, I missed that. Yeah, oh I personally was not – I personally did not keep up with that game until this morning. I just yeah, no. Chris Beard wanted all of the smoke from anyone in the building last night. Like, anyone who wasn't wearing black and red couldn't get it last night. It was bad. He was angry, uh, and probably rightfully so. But at the end of the day, West Virginia takes the win over Texas Tech. Um Big Twelve just beating itself up right now. Yeah, let's talk about yeah. uh, let's talk, let's talk about McNeil from West Virginia putting up twenty six, and shooting eight of eleven and five of seven from three. Yeah, that man that man couldn't miss last night. When he gets hot, man, he he can't stop. He pours it on you. I think he had that one shot I saw that he beat the buzzer. Uh, that was insane. Yeah, it, I think Virginia as a whole had a or West Virginia as a whole had a. It out, just outstanding. 50% from three with two of their starters getting 20-plus. You couldn't ask for a better performance, honestly. Yeah, no, you, you really couldn't. Um, so switching gears here, we talked a little bit about rankings. We just want to take you through. Alabama's ranked 11th, uh, just outside the top 10. We're just going to give you the top 10. Gonzaga's still one. Baylor's still two. Uh, Michigan and Ohio State follow. Villanova gets back up to the top five, which I still don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. I don't have a lot of faith in Villanova. I just don't think they have it this year, to be honest with you guys. Um, yeah, you 
you've championed the opinion of Villanova is definitely beatable, and I do tend to agree with you. Um, but ultimately, I do think this top 10 rounds out pretty well. Uh, the only team I really see in here that kind of sticks out is Missouri. And no, I'm not just mad that we lost. I'm, I mean, they're currently losing to Ole Miss. Um, so I think AP poll will definitely be changing very soon. Hopefully. Um, but I mean, most of these other teams are all big time scary teams. Oh, yeah. uh, Gonzaga Baylor, obviously undefeated. Michigan with only one loss is looking great. Ohio State plays and they play well. Um, Illinois has been really good and Texas Tech just lost, but they still had a pretty decent night from the field. They still had a great night. Um, yeah, and I think I think the trend you're going to see, especially with these teams, is you know the teams that really pop to me, right? Off paper, obviously Gonzaga undefeated, but it's coaching uh, in the, in this top in this top ten coaching. Uh, you know, obviously you got Virginia, um, you got Texas Tech, Chris Beard, you got Villanova with Wright. I mean, like there's guys in here that had been to the top of the mountaintop and for some reason just have their teams always ready to play in March. Um, yeah. So that's, that's scary. You know, it, I did, I, I don't want to play any of these teams really. Um, but it is what it is. And obviously, you know, behind Alabama, there's still some really good teams in Oklahoma, you know, Oklahoma, Texas, West Virginia, Iowa, you know, that whole swoop really is a good group. Um, and then you got some sleeper teams in there, like, you know, Wisconsin can turn it on. Rutgers can turn it on. Oklahoma State, we just talked about, is lethal. Um, Florida State. Florida State is secretly but surely winning the ACC this year. Yep. I'm calling that. I think they're going to beat Virginia. I, I really do. Um, but, like, Old take. it's just there's a lot of good teams in here, and it's going to be interesting when we come to March. I mean, uh, I just hope Nate Oates has our boys ready come March. I mean, because we can't be losing like we have been. Like, we can't be losing to, like, Missouri on the road. Like, we just can't have that. We need to be dominating the SEC. Yeah. I, yeah. You're right. You're absolutely right. You couldn't agree more with that. Um, so, just one, one storyline heading into a, a little bit of bracketology before we end this uh, part two. But I saw this on Twitter. I'm sure you guys did, too. But this is the first time that none of the top 13 winningest schools in college basketball are unranked. Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Temple, my Syracuse, which whatever, they suck. UCLA, Notre Dame, St. John's, Indiana, Arizona, Utah, and Cincinnati, all unranked. That's so weird. Like, yeah, it's been a long time. <laughs> I don't remember the last time Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, or Kansas, like, all in the same year missing tournament like like i said it's a weird year the last time they weren't even like the top six top four even it's a weird year like i said the talent's weird i definitely think uh covid plays into that god uh, is a weird season and i don't expect this to affect these programs long term mm -hmm. um, especially kentucky kansas duke Coaches that are all uh, programs that are all well run have good coaches and always have a knack for getting talent. They'll be right back next year. I think it's just a little bump in the road, but 
hopefully a school like Alabama can take advantage of that bump in the road. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I don't think, I mean, there's some schools on this list where I'm like, you're just here because of what you did in the 80s or something like that. And obviously the top four are probably going to get online, but it's almost time to start talking about, you know, why isn't Notre Dame where they were? Why isn't Syracuse? You know, why aren't these teams where they were anymore? Um, Arizona is a little bit different with all the allegations and stuff. I mean, that's it's tough to come back from. But, like, in St. John's, I, you know, obviously you're playing in a lower market league. You know, the, the original Big East not existing anymore hurts. But still, there's some teams on here like Indiana and Cincinnati and Syracuse and UCLA that are all like, you know, what happened here? Maybe it's just new college basketball, but it's it's getting questionable. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm just random thought. I just haven't really seen UCLA done do anything since Alonzo Ball. Yeah, <laughs> but, maybe that's part of it. <laughs> like that. No offense, but like if I'm a if I'm a recruit, I, I don't know if I really want to play at a school like with the, you know at the time if I'm a recruit looking at the Ball family, I'm like, eh, is this what UCLA is anymore? Or like nowadays, you know. Um. I just I feel like these uh I mean Kentucky Kansas North Carolina Duke are obviously going to be fine due to their coach I mean having yeah. their coaches alone are just going to help them be back to where they are they all have great coaching so I mean it's just a matter of the rest of the teams outside of the top four that we discussed that are going to come back yeah absolutely uh so finally I just wanted to talk a little bracketology um as of right now after the loss from Missouri. Uh, ESPN has us is a number two seed playing Northeastern um, and that's in region one, which would be Gonzaga's region. Um, you know, obviously not, not the best draw for us, but you know, it's not March, it's February. Uh, but I just wanted to see what your guys' thoughts were uh, if this was the end of the season today and we were probably going to be in Gonzaga's bracket. I do think there are some some shakeups uh, across the board. Um, Ohio State leading Region Four is pretty big, um, but I I will go to the grave saying it. I do not want to play Gonzaga. I don't want to play Baylor. I don't want to play Gonzaga. They're scary, scary basketball teams. And if we really got to play them, I'd rather play them in I don't know the Final Four. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. I do not want to play them at any point before we've earned where we are. Yep. I mean, I, like you guys said, I really, really do not want to play Kazan. Like I really do not. Like I want to stay as far away from them as possible. I mean, my personal opinion, as long as we're not in a, as long as we're we're not in a region with Gonzaga or Baylor, that's like my preference. Like, I think we can deal with Ohio State. I think we can deal with Michigan. Like, I know we haven't played that high of a ranked team yet, but if Oates prepares our boys and they rest and uh, Herb gets Herb gets healthy, I mean, I feel like we can go – we could be a Final Four team, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I'll according see. to the billboards in Tuscaloosa, all you got to do is rebound to make the Final Four. Did y'all see that? <laughs> that was funny. Uh, okay. But, hey, listen, as of right now, if the bracket ended today and they used ESPN's bracket, I'm calling one up, upset right now. Houston slated as a two seed against 15 UMBC. Oh, don't yeah. U- UMBC is the first seed killer. 
Yeah. So what do you think they're going to do with a second seed? Beat them by like 40. That'd be it. I mean, that's just light work for UMBC. I mean, it's going to be another day <laughs> at the office. Listen, I'm a big fan of the 15-2 upset, upsets as a young Syracuse fan growing up in upstate New York, being a 10 seed and watching Michigan State fall to Middle Tennessee State and clear the path for Syracuse to get a Final Four when we were a 10 seed. I do like that 2-15 upset. That was okay. that was quite an exciting Easter. <laughs> but um, that is it for part two. We will be back talking a little bit about the upcoming games for both the women's and the men's, and we will round off the show with that. So stick around, and we'll be right back with the Bama Baseline Podcast. Hey, I'm Paul Feinbaum, my favorite station in the world, 90.7, the Capstone. Welcome back to Bama Baseline. In part three, we're going to talk, we're going to look ahead at both the men's and women's basketball games for upcoming. Uh, Upcom- our next upcoming game for the men's is versus Georgia, and I just want to get your guys' thoughts and predictions on what you think is going to happen, what we should do, some keys to win, you know? start Someone start us off. Um, well, first of all, um, Alabama's at home. That tells you all you need to know. Uh, Georgia's unranked. Um, they've got some nice players on their roster, and they've been playing pretty well, but they're unranked. They're five and six in conference play. Alabama's playing at Coleman. I just, I, I don't see how we don't continue uh, adding to this conference win column. I think we notch our 12th and I think it's something like 80 to 63, maybe 82 to 65. I don't think there'll be too much defense played for Alabama, but I think there'll be more than enough for it to be a, a decisive win. Yeah, I'm on that bandwagon too. Uh, listen, Alabama at home this year has been nonstop, or, you know, unstoppable. Um, I think we will see a lot better play from our young guys and from John Petty again. And I think Shaq will say the same. Um, I think hopefully Reese can show up and that'll be big for us. Um, but I'm going to call it, I agree with you, it's going to be high scoring. So I'm going to call. Uh, Alabama's going to get in the 100 range again this year against Georgia. Um, and it's going to be kind of like that LSU game, like 102 to 73. Yeah, I personally, me, I think, um, I think, it, I don't know. I think it could be close. We've been playing close games recently, but I think it's going to be, I think we're going to, I think we'll win, of course. Uh, but I think the win will, won't be as much by, as you guys think, I think it'll be by like, we'll win by like, mm, I gotta say like 10, like 10, anywhere from like six to 10 points. I'd say we win by, but I, next game, I really want to see Petty play really well. He need yeah. he needs to keep playing well. Like I really, I want to keep seeing him shoot the three with a step back shot. You know, I want to see him rolling again. Uh, I want to just see it. I, I want to see more than anything. I want to see Bama get a dominant win. We haven't gotten one of those in a while. I would just like to see more than anything, uh, just John Petty try his hardest to just be a little bit more efficient. It's okay if he can be, it's okay if he's inefficient. Uh, you know, you're going to get that out of him and he will make his shots when he needs to. Uh, he's got a, he's got a good knack for coming through when it's absolutely necessary, but I would like to see a nice stretch of games from John Petty. Hopefully South Carolina can be the starting point 
because I really, I really, really want to be confident in him come March. But right now, I'm a little shaky on him. All right. Yeah. So next topic, we have a women's game on Thursday versus Ole Miss. Uh, what do you guys predict is going to happen? Yeah. Uh, so like we said before in the earlier um, in the earlier sections, I think this is going to be a bounce back win for the Crimson Tide. Uh, you know, we said they had a tough game against Georgia, but they played really well and they did everything they needed to do to win the game except for take care of the ball. Um so I, I, I think you're going to look out for a lot of safe, smart plays from the women. Um, I think you're going to see a lot more conservative way of basketball uh, while also continuing to do those same really good things on the uh, offensive side and in the hustle stats. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict this one. I'm going to go 64 to 54. I think it's going to be a 10 point win from the Crimson Tide and a big bounce back win that they're going to need to then go into their game against Auburn on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, I thought you put it perfectly. I think this is, uh, this is primed. This has all the makings of a nice bounce back win, uh, especially at Coleman. Um, you know, I think they get their top scorers to really work the ball into the net once again. I think they really rely heavily on their, on whoever their big scorers may be this day. Um, but really, I think, personally, I'd like to see less turnovers. I'd like to see them really try to keep it clean. Um, and honestly, if they really do keep it clean and they play anywhere near the level they played at against 25 Georgia, uh, I think we come out with a nice win. Um, I think it'll be a little close. Um, but I'm thinking somewhere along the lines of mm, 64-59, maybe 64-58. Yeah, you guys pretty much hit it on the dot, I got to say. I mean, I think we're going to – like you guys said, we're going to see a very conservative game after the way we played against Georgia. I think Brent – I think Brandon hit it pretty much on the dot saying, I mean, it's going to be very conservative. I think you're going to be seeing a lot of conservative play. I'm not too much aggressive. Uh I, I mean, I think we're going to win I, pretty much in the same area of what you guys have been saying. Um, if I had to give a prediction, I got to say 60 to 51. Mm. All right. And then uh, Sunday, the women have Auburn. Um, thoughts on this one? Obviously, it's a little bit ways out, and obviously we won't know that we don't know the uh, results of that uh, upcoming Ole Miss game, but I uh, just wanted to get your initial thoughts on that one. Uh, uh, it's the, I mean, it's the women's iron ball. I mean, it's going to be a big game for both schools. I mean, I think uh, we don't know how the Ole Miss game is going to go. So I think based off of what's going to happen there, coach is just going to adjust them. So ever, I don't think it'll be as conservative because it's going to be a whole different game plan, but I don't know. I think the Crimson Tide are going to look at this game as they want to win it. And I think coach will get them ready. Yeah. I mean, I can't stress this enough. Um, we need to beat Auburn, <laughs> whatever the cost. This is uh, women's basketball's equivalent of the Iron Bowl, and there will be no no room for a loss against Auburn. I think, uh, assuming the the women uh, get things done at Coleman uh, against Georgia, or excuse me, against um, Ole Miss. Old Miss, excuse me, excuse me, sorry. <laughs> I mean, they get things done against Old Miss. I, I think 
carrying that conservative game plan we're assuming they're taking into the old Miss game. I think they can kind of translate that into some uh, nice, simple basketball, maybe some easy buckets. Um, and I think they come out with a win. I do think it's another close one. And I think, I think it's a nail biter all the way down to the end. Maybe somewhere along the lines of 65, 63, 62. I really think a, a game-winning shot might call it, honestly. Oh, a game-winning shot. Listen, yeah, I mean, I, I share that sentiment with you about possibly being close somewhat because obviously it's the Iron Bowl and this rivalry, no matter what sport you play, uh, at either school is always uh, very heated, no matter any, you know, no matter the situation. So, yeah, it, it, I don't know if it's going to be close. I think it'll be close for a majority of the game. Um, but, you know, looking at this Auburn team, who's 0-10 in the SEC, um, I think we're going to pull away late and get that win. Uh, but I, I agree with you, I, regardless of the record. I mean, you know, in football, basketball, it doesn't matter. Regardless of your record, you want to go beat the other team across the state. And I think Auburn's going to show up just like they do in any other sport. Yep. Um, but I do think our girls come away with a win here uh, with a big 65 to 45 victory. Uh, big points coming from the stars late in the third and fourth quarters. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, I think this, our stars are going to be very key to this game, I mean, as they are to pretty much our other games as well. I think they're going to put up, they're going to need to put up nearly what they've been doing the past couple of games to get these wins. But yeah, I mean, other than that, do you guys have anything else to share? No, I think that's it. Um, you know, we'll be back next week, ready to go. Uh, we'll be ready to talk some more Alabama basketball and kind of understand the situation of where we're at, both from the women's and men's side. Um, and hopefully we're out of that Gonzaga bracket. God. Yes, yes, we need to get out of the Gonzaga bracket. That is you the, get that Ohio State bracket. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because we know how, you know, you know, we know how we perform and, you know, won two games against Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. See what you did there. Yeah. Anyone? <laughs> no, but anyway, um, that is it for the Bama Baseline podcast. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next Thursday talking some more Crimson Tide basketball.